Welcome to A Cowgirl and Her Horse, a weekly podcast aimed at helping you become strong in the saddle. What does it mean to be strong in the saddle? It means showing up for your horse, both physically and mentally, as the strongest and best version of you. It means feeling confident, both in and out of the arena. It means feeling secure in your ability to ride and move with your horse in the most optimal way possible. If you're looking to maximize your experience with your horse, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Katrina, and now let's get into this week's episode. I'm going to start off this week's episode with a definition since I'm not sure that some of you have any idea what the title of this week's episode means or how to pronounce it for that matter. And I will say right off the bat that I will likely pronounce today's topic incorrectly from time to time throughout the episode. So I apologize in advance. Anthropomorphism, according to Wikipedia, is the attribution of human traits, emotions, or intentions to non-human entities. In other words, it is when we see human-like attributes in non-humans. The most common instance of this is when we give our pets or our possessions human traits. And this starts off super early in many of our lives. For example, a child may talk to their dog or teddy bear as if it were a human, expecting it to maybe even understand what we're saying to it. However, anthropomorphism can carry on as we grow into adults. For example, we may assume that Our dog, who has done something like tear up a pillow and spread the stuffing all over our living room, that they did so deliberately with some sort of human-like motive. For the purposes of today's episode, I am going to speak to anthropomorphism as it relates to how we treat our horses. So let's give some examples. You might see a horse out in the pasture playing with his buddies, and you may compare this to children playing on the playground. Or maybe you your horse nudges you in the shoulder, and you interpret this as him wanting you to pay attention and get a move on with things. Or your horse lets out a sigh, and you laugh and say that, He's exacerbated about having to go on another ride. These are all examples of us putting a human personality on our horses, not thinking that they are a completely different species from us and don't think or operate in the same ways that we do. We create such a bond with our horses that we often forget that horses don't think like us. We may think we know our horses inside and out, 
And maybe we do know them really well, but we are likely completely misinterpreting our horse's behaviors. All of us anthropomorphize, there you go. All of us anthropomorphize at one point or another. It starts very early with the cartoons that we watch on TV. How many of the cartoons out there are animals acting like humans? Mickey and Minnie Mouse, Beauty and the Beast, with all the household items taking on human characteristics, Winnie the Pooh, and all of his stuffed animal friends that come to life. There are tons of examples. But why do we anthropomorphize? A big part of it is just a way for us to make some sort of sense of the behaviors displayed and events that occur. Humans are social creatures and we can very quickly process social interactions. Scientists theorize that our anthropomorphizing is just a product of this social evolution and that there are three primal reasons why we anthropomorphize. The first is that we are hardwired to see faces. This is an evolutionary trait. Being able to see faces helps us to distinguish friends from likely predators. And today it remains an important means of understanding and communicating intentions and thoughts and emotions. Having this ability limited has become more apparent, more so now than ever in any time in history where everyone's now forced to wear a mask. So because we have this innate ability to see faces so readily, it sometimes spills over into non-humans. We are always trying to see what something is thinking or what it's going to do particularly if something has eyes, we are definitely more prone to anthropomorphize. There have actually been studies that proving that when people see eyes, they'll actually behave like they're being watched. The second reason we may anthropomorphize is because we have a tendency to attribute minds to objects we like. We are more likely to anthropomorphize with something we like because we are more likely to engage with that. For example, I bet you are way more likely to attribute human characteristics to a baby animal than a full-grown animal of the same species. It's because we tend to like babies more than adults. And we even do this with our cars. The more we like our vehicle, the more likely we are to describe it as if it had a personality and a mind. It's all about connection. Um, a perfect example of this is Tom Hanks' character in the movie Castaway. Being alone for so long, he craved interaction of any sort. And that's when he met Wilson, his volleyball. Because of his extreme loneliness, Hanks's character was actually more readily triggered to anthropomorphize. 
And the third reason for why we anthropomorphize is because we think unpredictability means humanness. We give things human characteristics as a way of explaining and rationalizing behavior that we can't figure out. So, for example, when our TV isn't working, we likely won't anthropomorphize, but when it stops working or does something wonky, we may come up with some explanation that it's tired of working or you know, it wants you to go outside and play instead of staying inside. But regardless of what the reason is that we anthropomorphize, I will say that it's a t- totally normal way of going about things. Um, there's actually a belief that anthropomorphic tendencies and social intelligence may actually be linked. But it's all about desiring connection and wanting to engage with another mind. So I will say that anthropomorphism, it does have its benefits. For me as a horse owner, I feel like it helps me to better connect with my horse. If I just see my horse as a robot, just something to get on and ride and something that I can't otherwise interact with, I feel like my passion for horses would be significantly reduced. I don't baby my horse, but I definitely care for him and treat him as a bit of a child of mine. He needs to be cared for. He needs to be fed and watered and otherwise maintained. While I am doing all of this, I ask him about what he thinks and what have you. Uh, My husband bought me some hemp oil supplements for my horse for Christmas. Of course, they were under the tree for me, but I hauled them out to the barn and showed it to my horse from across the corral. I said, Junior, look, you got presents too. We didn't forget about you. I said it to him as if I expected him to be upset had I not gotten him a present for Christmas. Of course, he has no idea whether it's Christmas or just some other random day in the year. In fact, he doesn't even know what Christmas is or what presents are. He doesn't know any of that. But it made me feel good (laughs) that I got him a present and was able to show him at the barn. Anthropomorphism is also good for those who are socially isolated or otherwise lonely. Let's go back to the movie Castaway. Tom Hanks was on the island all all alone for I don't remember how long. It was a long time. The volleyball that he had put a handprint on and named Wilson, provided him with some sort of human interaction that he so badly craved. As social creatures, isolation and loneliness are not good for any human for an extended period of time. It can result in 
depression, and other mental health concerns that can very quickly turn south. This has become extremely apparent during this pandemic, where many people have been forced into quarantine by themselves with very little to no social interaction. And it's a basic human need. And if someone can fulfill that need by putting some human characteristics on a plant or a cat or their office chair, I really don't see much harm in that. Of course, it's not ideal. The better option would be to get that person some actual human interaction, but if that's not possible at the moment, those other non-human entities can definitely fill that gap. That being said, there are many negative consequences when we anthropomorphize, particularly when animals are involved. I don't know how many times I have seen a horse wearing a winter blanket when it's just a few degrees below freezing. I live in Alberta, Canada, and I can tell you that horses are more than able to handle a dip in temperatures. Just because you're cold doesn't mean that your horse is cold. And actually, if you put a winter blanket on your horse when he isn't cold, you actually run the risk of him overheating and being extremely uncomfortable. One of the examples that I gave earlier of how we anthropomorphize with horses is when they nudge us and we think it's funny. Like maybe they are telling us to hurry up or something like that. Yes, this may be funny, but I actually see this as a horse who is not respecting your space. You have to remember that these animals outweigh us by hundreds of pounds. If they think it's okay to push us around, that can quickly become a problem. This has actually happened quite often when people who don't know better have a foal that they treat like a pet. However, as the horse grows, it still thinks that it is okay to push you around and stay in your back pocket. It's not so cute when that now grown horse ends up pushing you into the dirt or possibly even seriously hurting you. Another example of when we may anthropomorphize is when we are on our horse's back. I will give a barrel racing example since that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Let's say that you have a horse who won't enter into the arena to make a run. Some people may see this as the horse being disobedient. Uh, maybe they think the horse is being lazy because they don't want to go run. However, it may actually be a case that the horse hurts and he knows that when he goes into the arena and makes a run, it hurts very, very bad. Rather than us seeing the horse as being disobedient or 
otherwise taking on some other human characteristic, we should be asking what would be the reasons the horse wouldn't want to make a run. In most cases, it comes down to pain. In fact, that's usually the case anytime that a horse doesn't do as we ask. It's either that they are in pain or are anticipating pain or they just flat out don't know how to do something or understand what we are asking. Horses, as a general rule, are very obedient, especially if we make things clear for them. They want to please. Our first assumption should not be that they are trying to be rebellious or otherwise deviant. With all of that said, we have to remember that we as humans are humans too. Saying that anthropomorphizing at all is bad, I think is a bit of an extreme opinion. Yes, in many cases, if we anthropomorphize, it can lead to poor animal welfare outcomes. That's a completely valid concern. Horses are a different species, and we need to acknowledge that. Our brains work in different ways, and we process information differently. The biggest difference between us and our equine partners would be our our heart highly developed prefrontal cortex. Because of this, we have the ability to reason and rationalize. Horses do not. And this is a large part of why our experiences and how we make sense of the world differs so much. Scientists will say that this is alone the reason why um, we shouldn't anthropomorphize. However, I want to argue against that. Saying that we um, should attribute human characteristics to our horses is basically the same as saying that the difference between horses and humans, sorry, saying that we shouldn't attribute human characteristics to our horse is basically the same as saying that the differences between horses and humans is so great that horses are fundamentally unknowable and we can never truly know them. If you're a horse owner, I'm sure that you can argue against that. While we may never be able to completely understand how our horses see the world, I would also say that that doesn't mean that we can't understand some of the way that our horses see the world. It doesn't have to be so black and white. Charles Darwin once said, quote, the difference in mind between man and the higher animals, great as it is, is certainly one of degree and not of kind, unquote. In other words, humans and horses, yes, are different species, but we are both animals and we're both mammals. In other words, we will have similarities. And in some cases, anthropomorphizing our horses may be appropriate. What I am saying is that anthropomorphism isn't necessarily a silly thing that children do. 
it's more of an acknowledgement that we have shared ways of experiencing this world, some of which we don't understand. For example, it may be us just anthropomorphizing when we say that horses have friends out in the pasture, but we also can't argue that horses don't form bonds. They totally do form bonds. Whether we call those bonds friendships or not is just a linguistic matter. Whether horses have friendships like we have friendships is what should be up for debate. Not whether they have friends or don't have friends. More and more research is coming out all the time about equine behavior. For example, we now know that horses um, have many complex facial features, not unlike we do. In addition to that, there is some research supporting the idea that horses can read human body language as well as determine our emotions based on our facial expressions. I'm sure if you've played with horses long enough, you've seen this in action. When I increase the energy in my body, making my body movements more aggressive, my horse reads that and will pick up the energy in his body. It's the the basics of doing groundwork with your horse. That being said, there are always going to be many things that we will never have in common with our horses due to our basic biology and our cognitive and physiological differences. And that is why we need to be careful with how far we take any anthropomorphizing we do with our horses. Like I've said, we don't want to make assumptions that our horse is being vindictive or doing something to annoy you or get revenge on you. Horses don't have the cognitive capabilities to think like that. Those are human-only traits that we should not force upon our horses as it can end up creating negative welfare outcomes for our horses. At the end of the day, my position on all of this is that I think anthropomorphism is a great way to create a bond with your horse. And we shouldn't say that all instances of anthropomorphism should be avoided. It should be more of a discussion as to what degree and what sort of anthropomorphism is appropriate and what isn't. It's not black and white. It's all situational. I would just encourage you to keep the welfare of the horse in mind and always remember that after all, it is a horse and it does not think like a human would. As long as you keep that in mind, I think anthropomorphism is absolutely fine. And with that, that is it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and were able to get something out of my ramblings. Before I sign off, I just want to ask if you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps to ensure that the podcast gets out to more and more people and that I can continue bringing you content just like this episode. Until next time, remember, it's always a good day to ride.